All right, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems, lots of Gordon Liu versus Bruce Lee, lots of nowadays everybody wanna talk like they got something to say but nothing comes out when they move their lips, just a button gibberish, and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm Gooch. Sifu, how are you? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Uh, so here we are for another Ask Me Anything episode. Ask Me Anything. Yeah, I feel, I don't know, somehow we have an episode every week, mm -hmm. but somehow I feel I haven't done this in a very in a long time. Yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. It's That's strange. Weird. I don't feel like time, that. Time works. I don't feel like that Very much all. like Jesus in mysterious ways. <laughs> all right? Time. <laughs> God. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, time just, is an illusion. Time is an illusion. You know? All right. So that's probably what it is. Okay, more or less. All just right. an illusion. Time Cop, which is the best Van Damme movie ever. <laughs> I thought the movie Time Cop was an illusion. Is that a real yeah, thing? That's a real movie. Everyone it's says it's really movie. good. It's one of the few Van Damme movies I haven't seen. But uh, it's, it's, it's really good in the way that it's absolutely terrible. Got it. It's but it's got it. I'll have to check bad it out. Bad mean bad, but bad meaning good. Uh huh. All right. So here we go. So what you got for me, Drew? I think we got some questions for you. Like, ask me anything stuff in this first installment pretty fly for a Filipino guy. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, Patreon supporter and the longtime supporter of our various podcasts. Wait, let's go. Shouldn't we do the Patreon question first? Well, it is a Patreon question, oh, technically. You, technically, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Let me get back pa to it. Patreons get first dibs on questions, whether they send the question to Patreon, <laughs> like through Patreon or on or YouTube. On, yeah. Oh, interesting. All right. Pretty fly for a peel a peel Filipino peel peeling you. Wow. This is exactly why people didn't miss it. All right, continue. <laughs> Pretty fly. What? Huh? 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 What? No, I had a couple of interview episodes. True, true. And people like that. They said I should do more of those. They were great. Interesting. Yeah. Where it's just me and some other person. Oh. Yeah, they were good episodes. Hey. They were good episodes. People really liked them. Yeah. There was a difference in accent. Interviews. Right. All right, let's go. Pretty fly for a Filipino guy is asking. This AMA question was inspired by the KG. The KG. Yeah, who, who would that be? Ke I don't know. Kevin Garnett. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lenza AI pictures mm -hmm. using YouTube, IG, and a few books, including your books, as aggregate sources for WT. How do you envision AI will portray the art? Which aspect of the art will the AI favor? Would it portray Chi Sao or do you think it would display self-defense applications? Will it use Donnie Yen as the avatar holding an empty box? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Someone, I saw uh, clips of, of the uh, fat... Uh, fat Samurai? Yeah. No, yeah. not Fat Samurai. The Donnie Viking. Yen. Oh, Di uh, Donnie Yen? Yeah, oh, okay. I saw clips of that Someone, yesterday. So, so uh, Donnie Yen recently posted, I mean, recently at the time of the recording of this episode, uh -huh. uh, he recorded like a Chinese New Year greeting, like, you know, on his Instagram, hello, everyone, mm, okay. you know, happy Chinese New Year, whatever. And someone commented like, you owe a video to the Kung Fu genius <laughs> was in the comments. <laughs> 
Yo. Oh. So I thought, that wow. Is we, awesome. we need we need our very small but loyal fan base to yes. like constantly Just comment on Donnie Yen's shit. I'm like, do that too. Yeah. You, you ha- and, but you have to. But you have to make it more specific. Otherwise, he's not going to know. Like, do you remember that time the <laughs> the kung Fu, like at the Kung Fu Genius had to wait three hours to meet Lang Lang just for Donnie Yen, and Donnie Yen never held up his end of the bargain. You tell me what's right. I'll, yeah, just I'll throw p- it people in. need to constantly I'll spam Donnie with that. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay, this is the first thing I'm going to do once we're done recording this podcast. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Well, that's a great question. So, the, um, for for those who may have noticed the last few thumbnails that I've done for uh, the our YouTube channel, uh-huh. I've used AI representations of myself. Those are not real <laughs> photos, right? Including so strange, but some of right. them look really remarkably yeah. accurate, right? And these are these are not like filtered photos. These are like they took they take ten to twenty of your selfies, oh, right. and they basically reconstruct you in you know as an astronaut, as like a yeah. superhero, all this yeah. kind of stuff, right? Kind of like Johnny Sins. Johnny Kemp? I have no idea what he's talking about, Sint. but I imagine it's... Johnny Sin sounds like a male porn star he probably has an in- inordinate Johnny obsession Sin with. Johnny Sin is the dude from Brit. He has a doc on Netflix. Johnny Sin, I think. I'm just, I'm just saying that Johnny Sins has achieved more than anyone else. By the age of 35, he's been a doctor an astronaut, a vet, Yo. an estate agent, an attorney. He's the I'm dude with sure the long blonde the hair. He knows. And a Marine. He knows. Long blonde hair, Johnny Sin. He knows all of the roles Johnny Sin has ever played. <laughs> they are not roles. I've seen no, this. These are his He's uh-huh. a very, very talented So, <laughs> So anyway, uh, I, so I, I did a bunch of those lens, uh, you know, AI recreations. Mm-hmm. And I think it's actually perfect to use it for the, um, the Kung Fu Genius thumbnails because... I feel that to a certain degree, the Kung Fu Genius is just kind of a kind of a dude I play on YouTube. All right, all right. <laughs> it's just a slightly amplified, you know, version of me. AI that, version of yourself that, that cares way more about stuff than I actually do in real ah, life. I just have okay. to talk about things as if they, these are really big deals to me. Um, <laughs> so I think it's kind of perfect that I then use an AI not. representation of myself to to represent the caricature of myself that is the Kung Fu Genius, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting, though. There are a number of projects I talked about a few years ago. Chiu uh, Sek uh, Heng, who's a martial Chiu arts... Chiu Sek Heng. Who's a... <laughs> no, no one asked you to repeat it with your bad pronunciation. <laughs> this, this, I'm just <laughs> correcting yours. As if, as if somehow... Oh, I got it. As if somehow you're going to remember that name in 10 minutes. Hey, Mikey, you got to remind Test me in about... 10 to 15 minutes to, yeah. to name check him on that name to see if he still remembers it, all right? I've got you covered. Okay, good, good, good. All right? No, 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 no. So no, no, uh, basically he's a Hong Kong practitioner who also happens to be, well, relatively wealthy mm-hmm. and has money to invest in different projects. He's a big fan of Hakka-based Kung Fu styles, okay. which would include things like uh, Southern Mantis, uh, certain types of uh, white eyebrow, and he, he made a book. I actually got the book in Hong Kong a few years ago. I showed you guys. Really, you know, everything he does is very high quality. The books, the... I remember you came yeah, All the research and everything. They're really, really good books. I remember stuff like that. Yeah, he did, yeah. Well, even a, broken, even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> twice a um, day. Even if it doesn't Not work. In, even if it doesn't work in between. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so anyway... 
Wow, I just realized I had way more poignancy than I wanted it to have. <laughs> no. Totally didn't mean it that way, too. What's, what's, funny? what's poignancy? Uh-huh. You know, the fact that you might uh, be underemployed at the moment mm-hmm. and are seeking mm-hmm. more employment, right? But that was actually not my original intent right, with that right, statement. Right, 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 right. So, uh, so anyway, Chiu King assembled a number of Hakka masters of various styles, including uh, uh, Li Kong from White Crane. And what they did is they, they put those motion caps all over them and mm-hmm. shot them doing all, doing all the forms and shot them doing all the different applications and exercises and drills so that there is a digital record of the, the movements from these masters. So not just a video of them doing it, but there's actually like a representation of the movements, right? Which means that in the future, mm. they could take that same information and use it in some kind of VR virtual simulation. Like the Matrix. Right? Yeah, so you could Teach you know future, Fu, future like generations who want to learn the you know authentic Samchin form from you know Lee Kong, you know who most likely at that point has been wow. long past. They could technically stand in a room and watch him do the form, and they could look wow. from all the different angles and everything like that, right? So it's interesting then if they would be able to take that kind of stuff and then translate it into. Uh, something where you can actually feel and interact with something mm-hmm. in live time, <clears throat> like for example, in a self-defense situation or a cheese house situation, if you had a suit that had sensors on it, and then based, based on the interaction wow. with the person in your VR, you would actually feel something push your arm or feel Sick. something push your body or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think it would be a little while before that kind of technology would be available for like a regular person, but it'd be interesting. And I also think for... Um, like if you think about the applications for like military training personnel, okay, um, they could do like full bore simulations of situations, including hand to hand combat, Sick. Uh, and then you know you would you know you would feel some tap on your head if you would have been killed, and then you know you're out, right? So, I th- I think that there are a lot of applications for it. It'd be really interesting if they do something with martial arts where you could like interact and practice and learn different martial arts from different masters, even those who are long gone, right? Mm. Because think about it, if someone put all of Bruce Lee's um, video, not just his movies, but also like his backyard stuff, hitting the bags and photos and everything like that, and you put that all together and you had a really smart AI algorithm that could kind of like figure out through all this footage and all these Mm -hmm. photos, basically how Bruce Lee moved, how he reacted to different things, um, maybe even adding some stuff from his notes in there to to make his character act more like Bruce Lee would act, right? You, you it, It's not too far off to say that you could have a relatively realistic sparring session with Bruce Lee through something like AI or VR. Or, or a mix, uh, I assume, of both, right? Wow. That would be really fascinating, right? Would you do it? Would you spar? Yeah, of course, but by the time that technology comes out, I'm going to have two broken hips. I'm going to be in a wheelchair. You're like, I'm going to go see you. Matt, Matt Locke. Turn on Matt Locke. So, you know, what? yeah, we just lost half our audience right there. What is a matlock? Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah no, on. great question. Turn great question. Find out. I will continue to use AI representations of me as the Kung Fu genius. Okay. Yes. I like these, though. Me too. Yeah, I think the black cool. and white ones are cool. Yeah. The, the color. You know what it actually reminded me of is um, a very underrated film. Well, I don't know. I never saw it. It could be terrible. But it was supposed don't to be good. Don't say it. 
<laughs> Don't what? say it. No. Will Smith? No. It was going to be a Johnny Sins movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not with Will Smith, but it was it was a, adapted by from a Philip K. K. Dick movie called A Scanner Darkly. Ah, I, love I that never movie. watched it. No, I've seen but it. like that's what all this that's what your AIs look like because it was like all these actors and they basically then animated them on top. Keanu Reeves is in yeah, Scanner. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is in it. Robert Downey Jr. is in it, mm-hmm. and that's what that's just I was just saying that's what it reminds me of. It's like oh, that oh. kind of image. It's super cool. Sounds good. I'll, ch- I'll have to check that movie out. I'll watch that. A Scanner Darkly and Time Cop. A Scanner. Yes, now right. there's a double bill. We're coming over. All right, we'll do it. Let's do it. A Scanner Pasty. Pasty. First of all, it's pasty. Pasty. Instead of okay. All right. <laughs> what else you got for me, man? All right, next up we got El Viento. El Viento. All El right. Viento. Okay. All right, Sifu Alex, I have a question. Is it just me or is he loud as hell? I just, I feel... I guess there's an I feel excitement like, coming through me. I feel like volume's on 11 <laughs> with Dre today. Every time what? he talks, my eardrums are getting blown out in like these headphones. I feel like you're low, too. What's up with that? I feel like you're low and I'm booming. There's this, this theory. There's this theory, especially in sound, where, like, you know, <laughs> what? Your, your, your ears and, and your kind of... Adjust to your environment. Okay. And I'm just saying, you haven't I been haven't, around for a I bit. haven't. Yeah. Dre's so, also one of those guys where when he's like running the vacuum, he screams way too loud. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he talks. All right. No, Volume no control. All right, let's go. Okay. <laughs> so many people are confused about basics in Wing Chun Chi Sao. Some view it as a collection of moves and masters confuse their own students by talking of principles and concepts without telling them what's what. The 15 Chi Sao Fundamentals is my attempt at explaining Wing Chun Chi Sao from a perspective of principles, but also with the basic techniques required to express those principles. It shows the framework for Hong Kong Wing Chun Chi Sao, in particular, the training of Pun Sao and Lap Da. This is necessary training before going on to the higher and more spontaneous expressions of Chisao. Right now, if you use the code KFG Chisao, you can get a signed copy of my book for the price of the unsigned one. Click on the link in the description below and use the code KFG Chisao at checkout to get a signed copy of this full color, over 230 page manual on the vital foundational training exercise of Wing Chun. This offer is good while supplies last, so get yours today. Sifu Alex, I have a question. Most Wing Chun schools are teaching the traditional Wing Chun curriculum from the forms, applications, etc. I was wondering, not me, but El Viento. I understand. All right. Was wondering if there is going to be a problem if someone ever makes a different Wing Chun curriculum, such as combat Wing Chun. Which I, which I actually tried doing before, where it only focuses on forms and sparring for competition and ring fighting. I disregarded Chi Shou or Chi Shao, Chi Shao, as I think that sensitivity, I mean, excuse me, not sincerity, sensitivity can be trained if in different ways. And quite honestly, I don't know how to do Chi Sao just yet. Thank you very much for your input in this manner. Wow, I spent a year here one afternoon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit hazy on the themes of that right yeah, now. <laughs> that, yeah, so th- that question's a, a, little, a little difficult to answer because it uh, meanders a little bit. It also makes some assumptions about 
terms like combat Wing Chun, right? Mm -hmm. um, it also makes assumptions on what traditional and classical Wing Chun schools teach or don't teach or how they teach. So the problem is that um, <clears throat> when you look at the wild world of Wing Chun, all right, mm -hmm. this is a, if you just say a Wing Chun school, in 2023, that, that term, Wing Chun school, is almost devoid of meaning. And what I mean by that is with the kind of martial arts landscape we're in today, you mm -hmm. have Wing Chun schools that teach things very um, traditionally, I suppose, where you have the forms and the drills and the applications. Maybe there's not as much of an emphasis on sparring or training against what other styles are doing. It's very kind of classic, clean, sanitized, orthodox, whatever. But then you have other schools that, um, you know, could throw on boxing gloves and do something that looks a little bit more like MMA in a Wing Chun context. And these are all under the rubric of, you know, Wing Chun schools, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe in the 70s, there was a lot less variation between what different Wing Chun schools taught or how they approach the information or how they approach the training. But the problem is in 2023, I mean, we're a very classical Wing Chun school, right? You know, we right. teach classical Wing Chun, but we also have a heavy emphasis on sparring, on hitting things. You know what I mean? You can even see in the in this podcast, we have pads, we have all sorts of stuff in the background. So uh, is that traditional? Uh, is, is that modern? You know, putting on gloves and, you know, integrating what other styles are going to do against you as a Wing Chun fighter. Is that modern or is that an extension of Wing Chun's um, aim to always fight against other martial arts styles. Remember, Wing Chun okay. was originally designed to fight against other martial arts styles. It was essentially, um, according to fairy tale or legend, designed to fight against the weak points of the more orthodox styles. So Wing Chun, by definition, was designed to fight against other styles, whether you believe the okay. fairy tale or not, right? It's just that in the modern day, many traditional Wing Chun schools have just basically become a... Um, a place where Wing Chun is practiced against other Wing Chun people. In other words, it has a very Chi Sao-centric focus. Not that there's anything wrong with Chi Sao, but the Chi Sao focus is doing Chi Sao with other Wing Chun people, as opposed to doing Chi Sao to gain transferable skills for you as a fighter in how you react in general to people trying to attack you, not specifically this cool counter against this specific type of Pak Sao that only one style of Wing Chun right. is going to give you, right? So I think the problem is that the question assumes that anything that is not combat Wing Chun is just people doing forms and drills. And this sounds a little bit um, like just a little inexperience on the, um, on the questioner's kind of worldview of Wing Chun. There is not a dichotomy within the Wing Chun world of traditional people who just do forms in Chi Sao and talk about drills and hold hands and sing Kumbaya, and then like the guys who strap on the gloves and beat the living snot out of each other for contests. Okay. There, these are not the only two categories that exist in the entire Wing Chun world. I would say at this point, it's on a spectrum from the very classic to very progressive to Wing Chun styles that may not even resemble Wing Chun that much. You have some guys in Europe who what they're doing basically just looks like MMA. 
and uh, boxing with a paxel thrown in every now and again or a low kick thrown in or a neck pull elbow done like the way it's done in Wing Chun. And then so you have that at one end of the spectrum. The guys are basically doing MMA with a couple of Wing Chun shapes thrown in here, right? So the problem is to pretend that there's something called combat Wing Chun. I know that there are lineages out there. There's not only one. Combat Wing Chun is not the trademark of any one person. There are other people that call what they do combat Wing Chun. And I'll tell you something kind of funny. Oh, right. I've been teaching for over 20 years. Uh-huh. So, you know, we get requests all the time from, you know, people who want to come and train at the school over the years, right? And sometimes these are people who've done other Wing Chun before. I can't tell you. It's almost comical the number of times we got an email from someone with the words combat Wing Chun in their email address. Wow. Okay. Oh, in the email address. Yeah. Yes, yes. So like Wing Chun for combat at AOL. I'm just kind of making that up. Combat Wing Chun, you know, Wing Chun fighter yeah, at Gmail, whatever, right? And uh-huh. then they're always like, oh, I, I want to improve my application. Can I come and train at your school? And I was going, well, that's a pretty ballsy email to take for someone who's still <laughs> going down this path with that handle, right? <laughs> so th- there's this kind of th- idea that classical Wing Chun, by definition, is not a fighting style. That classical Wing Chun is, by definition, a style like many of the other traditional Chinese styles where the, we just focus on forms. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that that is actually... Um, an unfortunate byproduct of certain strains of very conservative strains within Wing Chun. Because think about it, Yip Man in the very early period was training up his guys to fight against other people. To to go bust some ass, right? Okay. That was what he did at the very beginning Uh when normally people would be the most conservative or most traditional, (laughs) right? right. So then this idea that a Wing Chun class is just forms. And and of course, when people say forms and go forms and they think about like all these other Wing Chun forms have purpose. They're basically our shadow boxing, right? Mm. Even though it's not a perfect, um, it's not a perfect comparison to boxing, you know, like forms being our shadow boxing. But they are our way of training our tools solo. And you have to take that training that you do solo and then apply it with a partner. And also in the questioner's um, uh, question, he also says, well, he's not going to use Chi Sao in combat Wing Chun or in in whatever because he doesn't even know it enough yet or he's too new at it. And Mm -hmm. and I think that's also the problem. You have someone with, you know, and it's not to call this guy out. I'm just saying the attitude in the email is quite common, right? And, And this is something we need to look at. You have people who are, kind of new to Wing Chun, don't really know too much about it, even admits that he doesn't know how to use Chi Sao in it, but making these claims about, oh, there's traditional Wing Chun and combat Wing Chun. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the problem is that you have a false dichotomy created by someone who's not really that deep into the style to begin with and makes a lot of assumptions about what people train or what people don't train. And I think that um, it's always a problem of labeling. Combat Wing Chun... Applied Wing Chun, practical Wing Chun, Lang Teng Wing Chun, Wong Sun Lang Wing Chun, you know, all, like all these, like, like the problem is the moment you add a label to your Wing Chun, you have to now spend an inordinate amount of time defending that label instead of doing what you should be doing, which is practicing Wing Chun. And when people ask me what kind of Wing Chun that I teach, well, I say, well, I learned from Sifu Lang Teng, so I'm from the WT line, but I just teach Wing Chun. Okay. All right. Like I'm trying to improve the training methods, improve the way it's practiced, improve the atmosphere by which we do it. But the last thing I would do would call my Wing Chun like 
combat Wing Chun or something like that because it just seems so such an insufferable thing to have to defend constantly. Mm, you know, like, yeah. yo, bro, you combat Wing Chun. Yo, what is this combat Wing Chun that you if teach? You, if people really want to fight in the ring in kickboxing, you go to a kickboxing school. Like, I, I don't understand this thing about constantly trying to square peg Wing Chun into a round hole. Okay. You know, like, no, we have to make this thing work in kickboxing. Why? So you can prove that you can learn enough kickboxing to beat kickboxers at their own game with a couple Wing Chun tricks. Like, really, that, that's, that's the focus of your martial arts career. It just seems, uh, it just seems kind of a weak uh, objective to have as a martial artist. Yeah. Hmm. All right. You what know, else you got? You Yo. know who else? Um, you know, can try and put square pegs into round holes. Johnny Sins. Johnny Sins. <laughs> oh, by the way, ah, he's the master of. By it. the way, do you remember when I was talking about the Hakka Masters and yeah, I talked yeah. about the guy who funded the whole thing? It's been fifteen the, minutes. The Chinese guy and his name, and then you corrected me. Yes, yeah, Chin Chin Sing King. Chin Sing King. I rest my case. All right, next question. <laughs> Chin Sing King. Next question. That's his name. Trey's not even close. Yeah. Next question. Oh, I love how you're doubling down on it, though. It's, it's right like here. Every, it's like everyone in the internet. It's right here. Yeah, it's right yeah. there. <laughs> doubling down. <laughs> also, Johnny Sins. All right, let me, let me scroll. Let's <laughs> get worried when he's scrolling. All right, what you got there? Lupus Rex Gis or Argus. I, I, this is Regis. Regis. Uh, there's no E in there. So Lupus Rex Gis. Regis Argus. Okay. What? That's the. All right. All right. Just, just read the question. Read I'm going to read it. Okay. Just let me read it. Waiting. <laughs> Great show as usual. Although I still think Mikey Dean should definitely be the official co host. Yeah, people like people like them way better. When did this happen? Huh? Oh, nothing. Yeah, I mean, it could have been when you when you were not around. But just to say that, y you know what's funny? Um, there are some people that think that we had like gotten rid of you is like some weird rumor. All right. I don't know any of this. I never would have said anything about it. All right. But the crazy thing is all the messages I got. It was what like, yo, messages? so glad you got rid of Dre. That Mikey what? Dean guy is so much better. From people that what? I from from people that I know personally. Oh, um, that stings. Yeah, and just be like, oh, you know what? You know what people said they liked about Mikey? What is it? Because he converses with me, mm -hmm. he gets more out of me, oh. whereas you just tend to aggravate just, me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Man. He just pulls it out of you. Yeah, well, like, he, he asked me to go further into what I'm talking about, whereas uh -huh. you just go like, Chin Sik King. Chin Sik King. And then you'll just keep saying it. <laughs> Thank you for the contribution there. Great. Right. Mm. So, anyway, as for Bruce Lee's death by cocaine misfortune. It's going to be my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it too early for it to happen? I mean, he's been doing it for not that long, and I believe that he was not doing it out of control since it was supposedly a well-kept secret that even his close friends didn't know about. Or is Sifu KG, okay, I see, he meant KFG, mm -hmm. or is Sifu KFG in possession of a, uh, uh, or, is Sifu KG in possession of privileged information that we, mere mortals, 
do not have access to yet? Uh, well, again, as I've said many times before, my opinion on Bruce Lee's death means a big bag of donkey dick, okay? Um, because, one, I'm not a trained medical professional, all right? I don't even play one on TV. Damn. Uh, second, I have access to all the same exact information that anyone with a little bit of extra time and an internet connection can find. So I'm not like, you know, I didn't meet the guy who did his autopsy in Hong Kong once and he said like, hey, KFG, come here, let me show you some shit, all right? And then I go, oh, all right. I can only go based on the facts as they're presented. And in truth, if you hold a gun to my head and someone said, okay, you need to tell me exactly how Bruce Lee died, I would have to say it's still inconclusive, all right? We know that he had an identical uh, incident on May 10th, all right? He died on July 20th. And so it would seem that whatever caused the incident on May 10th would probably be the same thing that caused the incident on May 20th because they were identical. The only difference is that on May 10th, they got him to the hospital in time. On July 20th, they did not. According to the letters, when did that shipment come in? Right before May 10th. It's difficult to say because the, the letter, I, I believe the letter where he asked for the $500 worth of cocaine right. in $1973, all right, was around March, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it's been a while. But you don't so know I when the shipment I, came in. Based on the letters, it looked like it took four to six weeks for stuff uh, to get to Bruce after he would write those letters. So then we would say conservatively. So around my birthday, April 20th. Yes, we would say end of April, beginning of May. When did he have the first collapse? May 10th. Damn. Okay. So, of course, though, that is pure conjecture and speculation. I mean, I could be totally wrong on that. I mean, and, and I'm willing to be proven wrong because... I only care about what the truth is. I don't care about... Most people, um, they have their pet opinion about why he died, and then they just die on that hill. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what evidence you throw at them to the contrary. Um, people don't want to hear it because people decide whatever death conspiracy they like, that, they're, that that's the one they're going to stick with it. And if you want to be more honest about these things and not just in the case of Bruce Lee's death but in everything else you always have to reserve judgment for better information I mean what if you know a, a few months from now another toxicology report comes out uh, that was Ooh. never released before and says that Bruce Lee died from something totally different and it was very clear that it was exactly people will that. say it was fake People will say it's fake. They'll, yeah. they'll still That's go, the no, no man, say. it was heat stroke, bro. Mm -hmm. No man, it was the egregesic, bro. Because, because people are, people are, we're pattern-seeking primates and people would rather believe a conspiracy theory than no theory at all. And it's the intellectually honest thing to say, I don't know. Um, based on the evidence, this is what we know, but there's still no way to be conclusive about it. So... The thing is that I can't be conclusive about the cocaine stuff. I can't. How, how would I be, right? Well, you don't have any cocaine experience. I mean, besides what I um, researched <laughs> on others. the... Besides, besides what I researched <laughs> on the internet, all right, after the drug letters came out, you know, I did a lot of research on that stuff. Interestingly, a lot, lots of people that I know uh -huh. were like, oh, yeah, let me tell you all about cocaine. <laughs> 
Right. I don't know why you keep yeah. looking at me. <laughs> people where I was like, oh, okay. And then Let people me tell would tell me exactly uh-huh. like what happens, everything like that. And oh, give me a lot uh-huh. of information, right? So, of course, it's easy for me to go like, well, I'm the guy who revealed the drug letters. So, therefore, I must believe that it's it. I, I don't believe it's cocaine because I'm trying to die on the hill of the drug letters. It just seems Because you don't want to just end it at that point. Hmm. Well, no. The thing is, I, you, I still don't know. So, it's not because of the drug letters that I believe it was the cocaine. I just think it's because of, given all the com- competing theories mm. about why he died it actually seems to be the most plausible. And the, reason, the reasons why I feel that are cocaine was not checked on his autopsy report. It's not in his toxicology report. So it seems like a pretty shoddy toxicology report to want to find out you know, why someone may have died and then avoid certain classes of drugs entirely, including cocaine. Okay. Uh, so that's one thing that I just find like, you know, they checked for cannabis specifically and trace metals and poisons. Mm. There's no cocaine. They didn't check for heroin. They didn't check for any, like any, like you would think, normally you don't know why someone died. You, you do every test on the spectrum to find out. And then you get the results and then you narrow it down from there. I'm sure there's people that believe he was so healthy that weed killed him. Well, in they, some they, well respect. For, for, the, for the longest time, the kind of the toxic marijuana shock was one of the like Alex Ben Block who interviewed Bruce Lee we actually did uh, an episode on his interview he for the longest time believed that uh, it was that because that was the only thing that was actually found in his system was um, was weed in his stomach he had ingested it like edibles so the thing so the thing is that that was the only thing that people actually knew so people weren't buying the equagesic thing for a couple reasons one Bruce being hypersensitive to essentially an aspirin um, is a little far-fetched because that's not a common thing that happens. And I know people like later they said, oh, well, he was also on this and this and this. Look, I mean, I could be totally wrong on that. It just seems that why would Bruce Lee have an identical episode to what happened on May 10th, on July 20th, when on May 10th he did not take equagesic? And on July 20th, he did. And then they're like, oh, it was the equagesic. But that doesn't really explain why that thing happened on May 10th. Right. The other thing that I think people tend to lose the mark on, and this is just, now this is me putting on my science hat, and I'm not a scientist, all right? I'm just saying that if there's a doctor. You're not a science guy? No. uh, If there's a doctor or a pathologist or anyone who knows better, I'm totally willing to be corrected on this because this is not my area of expertise. So I'm, I'm definitely speaking out of school here. But the idea that Bruce got a headache in Betty Tingpei's apartment and then took this equagesic pill for the headache and then he was allergic to it and that's what killed him. And what he died of is brain swelling. Isn't it not more logical that the headache Bruce Lee was having was because his brain was swelling? Yeah. Like, yeah. So the thing is, he died of brain swelling, all right? What is, what is the symptom of, how do I know my brain is swelling? I get a headache. So doesn't that mean that at the time he took the equagesic, his brain his was brain already, already swelling, swelling. Okay? okay? So now so hmm. the equagesic sped that up? Is that, is that what they're saying? Well, that still doesn't explain why he had the cerebral edema to begin with. So the thing is that it's just a very shoddy explanation all the way around. And given that we know that Bruce was definitely in possession of $500 worth, $1973 worth of cocaine, mm-hmm. Um, 
the interesting thing that I found when I looked into the cocaine stuff is that cocaine can kill you even when you're not actively on it. And even among casual users, because it breaks down the blood brain barrier, which means that you're, you could get cerebral edema, which is a common thing among cocaine users. Well, even when you're not currently on it, like you're, you're the blood brain barriers becoming weakened and then something else triggers you to have that. So it's also possible that Bruce was not even actively on cocaine at the time of his death. Um, although I, I don't believe that to be the case. I'm okay. just saying that it is possible. Hmm. The, the other thing is that, um, you know, obviously cerebral edema is a, is a very common cause of death among cocaine users. Um, and, and so it's easy to say, okay, well, that must be it. But I, even I cannot definitively say that. In one of the very early reports after Bruce Lee uh, died, mm-hmm. one Hong Kong newspaper reported that the EMTs that came to Betty Tingpei's apartment found a cocaine straw in her bedroom. And then very quickly that story was swept under the rug and it was only reported once. Now, does that mean that it actually happened or that it's speculation or that whatever? No, but it was something that was said. Uh, so... I also have a feeling that the (laughs) reluctance of certain people who know why Bruce Lee died to just straight say it also indicates that they may have known that there was something like drugs involved and don't want to tarnish his image or say anything. Like uh, someone because because if it was if if it was really something so innocent, Mm. then I think the people who know about Bruce Lee's death would very would would more proudly proclaim this reason because it's a very innocent thing. But their very sheepishness about it. You think his dealer was like kind of like shit? I feel bad about. Well, supposedly Bob supposedly Bob Baker basically drank himself into a hole after Bruce Lee's death, and and there were there reports that. In the ensuing years after Bruce Lee's death, um, that sometimes when people would mention Bruce Lee to Bob Baker, he would just burst out in tears, which given what we know through the drug letters, I can imagine whether Bruce Lee actually died because of cocaine or not, I guarantee you this I would put money on. Bob Baker felt guilty I'm, I'm based on what people said about his behavior. And I mean, just think about it. He was regularly sending shit to Bruce Lee, and then Bruce Lee dies mysteriously. He had to have thought he had something to do with yeah. it. I, I, I really think that that was probably there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so things, but here's the thing. I, I'm not married to that, all right? If okay. someone came and gave me a medical opinion, uh, because they have a medical background, and told me how I'm actually in error about, like, I, I'm not, the thing is, People need this. Doctor Johnny Sin gave it's, you a. It's okay to. But here's the, here's the thing that bothers me. It's okay to say you don't know. Okay. It's just people don't like that. People have un. Well, I, I don't know how Bruce Lee died. Yeah. Well, I just read on Wikipedia it was this. Yeah, I know that theory, and I know this theory, and I know this theory, and I know this theory, and it's for all those reasons that I don't know, <laughs> that you can't say, and that's the intellectually honest thing to say. But people don't like that because people don't like uncertainty. So they would rather believe a conspiracy theory than no theory at all. And I think people need to just go, like for me, I believe it was the cocaine, but I can't prove it. And I'm willing to be proven wrong on that. I'm waiting to hear any other Bruce Lee expert that chimes in on his death be that honest about the limits of what they know and can know. Since, uh, I guess, you were a little kid, Mm -hmm. 
knowing about Bruce Lee's death yeah. and, and it affecting you in some personal way, mm -hmm. what was the craziest theory that you've heard that you almost believed? Oh, well, when, when, when you're a kid, it's very confusing because you're, yeah. you're confused about death anyway. Okay. So for kids that grew up in the mid to late 70s or were born <laughs> at that time, like us, finding out about Bruce Lee is both the greatest day and worst day because you find out this amazing martial artist named Bruce Lee and you also simultaneously find, find out, out that he's, he's dead. He's not around, in, in, right? In the same day, right? Oh. So as a kid, it's kind <laughs> of like... Man. Yeah, it's very disappointing, right? And then you read about it and it's always like, oh, well, he took this equajizic or whatever and you're like, okay, so he had a headache and he took a pill and he died. Which yeah. then, of course, makes you more paranoid about... like of, I had, I had pills. I had, yeah. headache. I had headaches as a kid. My yeah. bad migraine since I was eight. Do you oh, think? Do you think that the Bruce yeah. Lee death conspiracy didn't scare the living piss out of me every time I had to take an ibuprofen because I had a migraine? I was going, like, well, you know, this is how Bruce Lee died. <laughs> oh All no! Right? But then, of course, you know, you always heard like obnoxious things from your friends. Like, oh, I heard it was ninjas, and I heard it was all this stuff. <laughs> I I never bought into any of that stuff as a kid <laughs> because I read about Bruce Lee. You know, a lot of people heard about Bruce Lee from their boy down the street, but I <laughs> right. I from a very like early me. I from a very early age was reading martial art magazines and uh -huh. reading books about Bruce Lee which had the official story of how he died and stuff in there. So I wasn't like inculcated with conspiracy theories because I was reading official stuff. Mm. Not to say that that was necessarily any more accurate, but I was less susceptible as a child to like, yo, actually, yeah, my teacher beat up Bruce Lee, which is why I always uh, push back against these hucksters like Vic Moore and these guys who now say that they beat up Bruce Lee. Yeah. It's like, it's like, dude, take a line. You're so full of shit. <laughs> take a number, I should say. Everyone's beat <laughs> up Bruce. My dad beat up Bruce Lee at one point. <laughs> back to the cocaine. Take a line. Take yeah, a line. Like, take a line almost, right? Yeah. It always comes back. Yeah, to it always come back. To All cocaine. right. What else you got for me? Hey everyone, just want to let you know, Wing Chun Illustrated is now offering a paperback edition through Amazon, reaching a larger global market. And no, they're not ditching the glossy magazine edition through MagCloud. You can now simply choose the version of this magazine you prefer and the one with the cheapest shipping wherever you live. Order your copy of Wing Chun Illustrated today across 12 Amazon marketplaces with free shipping for Prime members. Go and check that out. All right. All right. Next up, we got Chris. This is uh, this is not an AMA. This is more of a uh, I love your Bruce Lee shirt. Alex, also great podcast. Wow. Oh, I think that was the uh from one of the more recent episodes where mm -hmm. I had that cool DGK Bruce Lee shirt. DGK? Who's DGK? Yeah. DGK is a brand and they did a co-branding with the Lee estate. So they have Bruce Lee. And if you look, mm -hmm. it's like from Enter the Dragon, but it looks like a painting. And he's wearing a ring that says DGK on it. Wow. Yeah, it's so pretty dope. Jan got it for me. Tattoo uh, Jan. Shout out to Tattoo Jan. Shout out to my C. Hang. Yeah. What's your favorite Bruce Lee shirt you have? Because you have, I have quite a few. a few. I have a few. Um... Most of them are always gifts. I, like, I don't go out yeah. of my way to buy Bruce Lee How many Lee do you stuff. think you have? Oh, I don't have that many, I'm sure. People like Hector Martinez and those guys wear way more <laughs> Bruce Lee shirts than me. Uh, no, I don't. It, it's not Ten. even that impressive. Right? Ten? Yeah. It, it reminds me. Um, a, a very long time ago, there was a... Uh, um, in, in Hong Kong, they did an interview with uh, Yip Chun, mm -hmm. the son of Yip Man. And this was a very long time ago. And they, um, you know, they interviewed him and then he, you know, was, he had admitted that he didn't really have a lot of interest in Wing Chun while he, you know, while his father was around. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until a little bit later that he took interest in doing Wing Chun and teaching Wing Chun. And then he admitted that his one of his passions was collecting shoes. And um, wow. the uh, the Hong Kong, so while they're doing this report on him, they went to see his shoe collection. 
which was like a one closet of shoes. And it wasn't even that impressive in terms of like there being that many shoes. Because can you imagine like if you say something like, oh, someone said it was a sneakerhead, like Kess. Yeah. You can imagine that when you go to Kess's place, that he's it's just like <laughs> he's nothing but sneakers, like lines. He's got yeah. a whole wall of them, right? But imagine you're like, oh man, I'm totally like, in, I love collecting shoes. And then you show someone your shoe collection and you have like eight pairs. <laughs> <laughs> and then it would be kind of like, Okay. Yeah. That's how <laughs> like, you feel about your Bruce Lee very, t-shirt collection. Yeah, so I just feel like, yeah, me going like, oh, man, I got yeah. tons of Bruce Lee shirts. And then I would show them and it's like uh, eight shirts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just wear them on the podcast more often, but uh, you don't really wear them that much. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. What else you got? Uh, next up, we got... Let me just scroll. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What, what, was, what was the name of that developer again? DGK? No, no, no. The, the, the one who did the motion cap with the Chinese masters in Hong Kong. King. It's wow. got even worse from last time. It just, last time. It just keeps degrading. All right, go ahead. Next. King. Actually, I've never heard a better pronunciation of anything. All right, so go ahead. What's the next question? <laughs> Mike, Mike Sheng. Mike Sheng. All right. Movie sequels didn't really come into play until late 70s with Star Wars and Jaws. In the 80s, it really took off. I think this is a comment. That's true, uh, because yeah. uh, in, I think, two episodes ago, uh, we talked about uh, whether the they would have made... sequel to... Yeah, made a sequel Enter to Enter the Dragon, right. right? And that wasn't really the big thing. They didn't make lots of sequels back then. Um, but maybe they would have eventually done it, like an 80s Enter the Dragon yeah, sequel. Everyone's 80s, like 10, just like, boom, Yeah, boom. but also, like, everyone's, like, 10 years older. Is it true that... This guy, uh, we just saw him, uh, Bolo Young. Bolo Young, yeah. Was looking into doing a sequel to Enter the Dragon. I have no idea. I'm sure. I mean, like, yeah. what do most of these guys, it's like Tymok trying to get a sequel to The Last Dragon. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of, a lot of guys last, who don't have, dragon. like, crazy mainstream acceptance, yeah, they're always trying to, yeah, The Last, Last Dragon, right? <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. The last. Trust me. This is the finally <laughs> is the, the last fight. one, right? Guys, Man. Matrix Resurrections all over again. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine they, they finally make The Last, Last Dragon and they want to make the story about, like, some new young kid coming up who's, like, the final master? Like, can you imagine how pissed off Tymok would be? Because, <laughs> like, that's all he's ever wanted to <laughs> oh, do no. forever. Wow. And he's been holding out for so long. And then, like, we'll finally do it, but you're just going to be the old master at the beginning of the movie for, like, three minutes. And then it's going to be about, you know, because yeah. it's the age of the internet. What so else? You, you have to put some young, uh-huh. you know, like, hunky 17-year-old kid yeah. who knows martial arts and does tricking and flips and all that kind of shit, right? Wow. And then it's like, yeah, he's going to be the last, last dragon. <laughs> and then Bruce Leroy is just going to be, you know, in the opening scene, you hey. know, telling him to go find the master. In, in the alley? Yeah. Bum in the alley. <laughs> Bum in the alley. <laughs> Bum in the alley. Just Do you know which way is some dumb going? And then it's just Tymok pointing at right there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then they even bring back, like, the three Chinese dudes from yes. Chinatown. Like, everyone yes. is there, but, like, Tymok just gets the one role where no. he's got to, like, point the guy down no. there, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to bring Vanity back. Anyway. So, uh. <laughs> nice dark humor. Wow. What do you mean, dark humor? So anyway, because um, she's dead. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, by the way, I also want, <laughs> also want to bring up something. Uh, wasn't on that episode. It was on the previous one where we were talking about like the uh, the Wing Chun spelling, the V T and the V I N G, mm-hmm. and I basically talked about how uh, 
you know, all, all of the, it's always pronounced the same. It's Wing Chun. Mm. Um, but the spellings are different because there's no standard phonetization. And I talked about how like the V is a total BS thing. And then a bunch of people were like, oh, yeah, well, you know that they were trying to avoid the WC acronym because WC stands for water closet, which means toilet. Right. And I actually didn't mention that in my explanation at all. And then like the comments were all yeah. like, well, actually, it's because of the WC yeah. thing. Right. And it was like, yeah. it's funny because if you would have asked me that question about like the VT spelling versus the WC versus the that 10 years ago. That's the what first, you told the me first 10 thing, years ago. Yeah, the first thing I'd be like, well, you understand like WC yeah. is this. And it's like, I've been doing this for so long that yeah. even that standard knee jerk response isn't the main one anymore because... Um, yeah, obviously, when you see WC all over the city for right. water closet for toilet, you don't want to have that as an acronym, right? But first of all, the whole idea of using an acronym for your school or whatever, I, I don't know how pressing that was, but it still doesn't justify the stupid V spelling, all right? Mm -hmm. Because V, there is no V sound in Cantonese phonetics. Then they should have just used W for wing and then TSUN for chun and used WT, right? So the thing is like... 10 years ago and, and beyond, I would have said, well, no one wants the WC spelling because of water closet. And now I actually list that lower on the, because I'm like, well, they could have solved that problem without creating this fake V sound. So, because um, there's no V in Cantonese phonetics. There's no V at the start of a letter or a start of a word in Cantonese. And there's no V at the end of a word uh, in Cantonese, that they just simply do not have that sound. Okay. And from what I understand, they also don't even have that sound in Mandarin. It's just not a Chinese sound, right? Also, WC is very European. We don't even use it in England. I didn't know what WC was until I went to France for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that was the other thing too. And then, so I don't know how prevalent that was in Hong Kong. You know, obviously it was a British colony. Yeah, um, we didn't. We, we, yeah, I mean, but, but it, it just seems like, and, and I get it, like Sifu Lang Teng is very big, like, oh, don't do WC Wing Chun, you know, like that's like his whole thing, right? Um, but I'm, I'm a little less convinced that that was like the main thing for the VT spelling because then they should have just gone with WT, mm -hmm. right? And it was like being that that spelling was still missing. That's why Sifu Lang Teng took that one because the V is a non starter, it's just not an accurate phonetization of wing. Do you think right? maybe it's more the German thing? Because obviously... No, no, no. Because the VT spelling, the Wing Chun Athletic Association in Hong Kong, that was 1966 in Hong Kong. Oh, wow. So, so that, that predates like the Wing Chun explosion in Europe by 11 years. Oh. Yeah. So, so that, that is, um, it's not necessarily hmm. part of the same argument. Yeah. 11 years. Yeah, because Wing Chun WT really got big in Europe. Like, well, it came in in '76, so ten years after the Wing Chun Athletic Association was formed. But it took like a year or two for it to really take off. So yeah, it's about eleven years. So that has nothing to do with that. So, Grandmaster Yip Man was teaching what '56? Started teaching in Hong Kong, something like that. '58, nineteen fifty. 1950. Yeah, he came in 1949 and more or less more or less started 50, teaching in 1950. Rooftops. Yeah. And then when did he open the association? In that 66. location. 66. In the location where it is now, the one that I the showed one you, you showed me, the, yeah. which is on Nulla Road in, in Mong Kok, yeah, very close to Prince build, Edward. Green inside yeah, the building. That's actually the second location. So oh, the um the the first location of the Wing Chun Athletic Association was 440 Nathan Road, where Lang Ting's gym. 
Um, yes. th that was the first Wing Chun Athletic Association. Wow. You can even see some old photos there where you see, you know, the background, which is in the current Wing Chun Athletic Association, where you have the couplets, mm -hmm. um, which I believe were designed by Wong Sanleung, but they were a gift from uh, Tang Sang to Yip Man. And that was all inside what is now the Leung Ting Gym. And there's a photo uh, I have this is from one of Yip Jing's books where it's like Yip Man is there and Tang Sang is there, Quan Ta Heng. Okay. Uh, they're all sitting there and they're having a meeting at the VTAA. And that was actually the first location of the VTAA, which was Leung Ting's gym. And then uh, at some point, Tang Sang, I guess, got some money together with some of his other like, gangster cop friends. <laughs> and then they bought the premises oh. uh, in Mongkok, the other one. So then they moved it from 440 Nathan Road to where it is now. Which is closer to Yip Man's home. It's, just, it's, right, it's, it's like a couple right blocks away. Corner. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really so right there. Yip Man was... Walking all the way to that spot. In, well, that wasn't that far. That it wasn't, wasn't that. Far. He also could have taken a bus or a little sure. mini bus or something like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but also, I don't know how much how he wasn't really by 1966. He wasn't teaching that much himself. Anyway, it was mostly mm -hmm. his students mm -hmm. and just some private students and stuff. So uh, the, that was the first location, and then they got together and they bought that, um, which is now the VTAA. It was a Tang Sang and a few other investors, they bought it. Wow. And then when they moved out of that, Leung Teng took the old premises for the VTAA for himself. So when you see the photos of, of Yip Man at the uh, grand opening of Leung Teng's gym, mm -hmm. that was also the old premises of the VTAA. Leung Teng just basically took it over when, when Yip Man left. And it's, and it's still in there. And, you know, like one of the first times I went there, one of my Hings was like, Oh, you know this, you know, when I, when I went to the Leung Ting gym for the first time, it was like, oh, you know, this used to be Yip Man's VTAA. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, you know, that photo of Yip Man, Yip Man was sitting right there. And then he like, he showed like all the places in the photos where Yip Man was when he came there wow, to congratulate Leung Ting and amazing. stuff. Um, but yeah, it's still there to this day. And then what's also interesting is because, you know, Tang Sang was kind of a gangster cop who later become, became, or later was investigated by the uh, police and the ICAC because of his corruption. Um, I actually looked up the um, property history of the VTAA. That shows you what a nerd what? I am. <laughs> I, I, went on, uh, I went on a website uh, uh, with a Hong Kong lawyer mm -hmm. who helped me find this. And uh, we found like the, the, the records of that particular space. So like when it was purchased, who purchased it. And Yip Man's name was on there and as like a co-owner and Tang Sang and all that. And in the late 70s, when they um, were investigating Tang Sang, they actually put a lien on that property because oh, he was a co-owner of it. And so until his death, there was like a lien on that property from like the late 70s until the mid 80s because of like Tang Sang's activities. And then after he died, I don't know what they did, but, you know, now it's in the hands of some other um, shareholders or whatever, okay. something like that. Yeah, but that, that, that was the location. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing, amazing stuff. All right, what else you got for me? Um, let me uh, scroll. Next up, we got Dreisen. No. All right, no, what we got? It's right there. I'm, I'm saying no. No, 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 we don't have Dreisen. <laughs> it's right here in my scroll. No, it's right there. It's on it, the scroll. It, it, yeah, it's, it's right there, right? Yes. Okay. So Dreisen is asking uh, a non-hypothetical. I still say it's a shocker. <laughs> He's asking in, uh, this is somewhat controversial. Okay. Stop stalling. 
and answer yeah. the question. <laughs> it's somewhat it's controversial. Somewhat controversial. It's somewhat also being made up at the moment. Being <laughs> that Bruce Lee was such a ladies' man, and allegedly, he, he allegedly, and he got around. Allegedly, um, allegedly. Has have you ever heard any rumors? Yes. That he's yes had some illegitimates. Yes. yes. Or are there any true illegitimates no. running around? No. That. There is you a, know of. There is a fu- like a like a Michael Nevermind or something like that. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's who I would have imagined would have been one of them. Right? Yeah, exactly. Would have been one of them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, there is a f- stick in the comments, in our comments. <laughs> what? Um, who? He hasn't done it in a while. Oh no! But he used to say that he knew Bruce Lee's illegitimate child. And this, and this illegitimate child lived either in China or Taiwan or something like okay. that. Okay. And he's kept a low profile, but that he is essentially some kind of kung fu genius because he's, you know, imbued with the DNA of his father or whatever. All right. Somehow it skipped Brandon, but it went to this guy or whatever. <laughs> and this guy. And, and, and the weird thing is that this f- stick would, there was like a period of a couple months where mm-hmm. this guy was commenting regularly and he would like, complain about stuff that I said on the podcast. Okay. And of course, you know. Because he knows uh, the true source. Well, here's the thing. And of course, big shocker, it was an anonymous handle on YouTube with no proper profile photo, right? Because apparently no one one can show themselves on social media. And he would basically said like, yeah, well, actually you're wrong about this or I don't like what you said about this or whatever. And like, you need to come to china and meet bruce lee's son right now i know him all this kind of stuff and i'd be like yeah buddy whatever and he'd be like yeah you scared to meet him <laughs> like, like like it would go from like dude you're delusional to when like this yeah, yeah no, 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 this, is I mean, this is like an older videos let's say maybe i think more year one kfg okay. and the guy was basically like taunting me he's like yeah you got it but but it was also funny because it was like he doesn't say where in china he just kept saying he's in china or something like that right <laughs> and i'm like okay this is great. But he kept taunting it in some kind of way, like where as if I was a coward because I didn't get on a plane and fly to China yeah. because someone told me to in the YouTube comments, not telling me where in China I need to go to. So <laughs> am I supposed to just fly to Beijing yeah. and be like, okay, I'm here. I need to see Bruce Lee's son. Yeah. Right? Bring him. Yeah. It's like, so I'm like, bro. Wow. My contact information is all here. Send me an email. Give me the information. And if it's legit, if there was a legit son of Bruce Lee somewhere in Asia, all right, I know one guy who would fly there to meet this guy. All right, who's this? That's me. All right. <laughs> the problem is that a bunch of YouTube comments from an anonymous account with no profile photo mm. and cannot even say where in China or cannot even do cannot even say anything besides the vaguest of of insinuation. It's like, yeah, buddy, sure, I'll get on a plane and go to China tomorrow just to, to see this or whatever, right? So, yeah, so there was this fuck stick who kept, and he kept doing it and doing it until I just, I just ignored him. And then, you know, like most people who make up stories, they, they just stop. I mean, mm-hmm. with the exception of like Frank Dukes and Vic Moore. Uh, most people, after a while, after they, they spout their little fantasies and everyone stops listening, they usually stop. Wow. Um, and this guy eventually stopped. But he stopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He might come back. But also, the, but also the problem was is that he was basically claiming that because this guy was Bruce Lee's son, he was like some undefeatable martial artist. So in other words, 
like it was the DNA and the genetics and all that kind of stuff, which is funny because if you know anything about Bruce Lee, uh, he did not have very good genetics in, in many regards, right? Oh, right. Um, he was someone who worked intensely hard with what he had. I mean, he had certain good genetics in terms of his body composition, right? Like his lats and things like that and slow twitch versus high twitch muscle fibers and uh, certainly a high degree of tendon and ligament strength for his body weight. Okay. Um, but he also had a whole whole host of other problems. One leg was shorter than the other. Mm-hmm. Hypercordism, where you know one undescended testicle. Like he had a lot of stuff that was not. You wouldn't consider it like prime genetics. Oh right, right. So this idea is like, yeah, yeah, he's got a son somewhere in China, and this guy, like, you know, can you know basically making it seem like this guy is is Stephen Chow's character from the end of Kung Fu Hustle who can like fly and create like you know Buddhist palms right. and stuff like that. And you just like, come on. This is the adult world, all right? So, yeah. What else you got? Uh, well, do you believe that this person exists? Why would I believe it? Have you ever wondered about it? No, because it's never come up. Hmm. And let's say Bruce had an illegitimate child somewhere. but uh, I don't know why that would be interesting for any of the topics we talk about, but Wing Chun, Bruce Lee's, martial art, Jeet Kune Do, all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, is that really super exciting? The, the drug stuff is only exciting, like, as a revelation to talk about because, one, we didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, yeah, I knew Bruce Lee was taking drugs. Yeah, you knew he smoked weed. Shut up. Everyone knew that. <laughs> right. when the funniest thing about the drug letters is how everyone, yeah, I, t- I totally knew that. Yeah, obviously. Show me your posts, pre-drug uh, letters, right. about how much you knew about what he was doing, right? Shut up. Um, it's only interesting because we know that Bruce Lee's last year in Hong Kong, uh, he was starting to go a little off the rails. And, you know, for the longest time, it was just basically speculated that, you know, like Bruce wanted more money. So he was, you know, playing, you know, he was trying to like squeeze Raymond Chow a little bit so that, you know, for the longest time, it was considered that a lot of Bruce Lee's crazy acting in the last year of his life was him essentially trying to put a little pressure on Raymond Chow to get more money or to get a better deal. So everyone thought, kind of thought, oh, well, he's just kind of acting out because that's part of his business plan, right? And certainly that was part of it. I mean, like Bruce didn't show up to the first few weeks of Enter the Dragon on purpose because he was like holding out for some better negotiations or whatever. But it's also pretty clear when you when you read the story about him pulling the knife on low way and about him like, like losing his temper all the time and like his erratic phone calls that all he right. would give. And then the revelation of the drug letters come out, then it just seems a lot more clear that it wasn't just this one thing. It was like a number of things going on in his life simultaneously that were contributing to an unhealthy, both physically and mental kind of lifestyle. And so the drug letters gave us a lot of insight into what that last year of his life was like. Um, but I think if you found out Bruce had a, an illegitimate child somewhere, I mean, like, I'm sorry, but I don't give a shit. Yeah. I, like, I really don't give a shit. And I wouldn't, wouldn't look at that kid and be like, oh, this is like the spawn of Bruce Lee. Shannon is the spawn of Bruce Lee. And she's no one looks at regards her as some kind of martial arts goddess. Okay. Right? Brandon was really good, but Brandon was certainly no Bruce Lee in that regard. And I think he would have been the first to admit it. So we've already seen very clear examples about the Bruce Lee bloodline not necessarily producing uh, the same result every time, right? So the fact that Bruce Lee had some illegitimate child in Taiwan. I mean, it happened with Arnold, though. I mean... Hey, don't blaspheme Arnold on my podcast. But I'm just saying. Don't blaspheme Arnold on this podcast. His illegitimate is pretty much the genetic freak. Mm. 
No. no. You don't think so? No, he's just a really healthy guy <laughs> that has been basically born into money and wanted to emulate his dad. It's not like he just woke up and he looked like that. You know what I mean? Hmm. Personally, that's what I think. I think it would have been funnier if it turned out he really liked fast food and he was just like some fat dude. So Jesus. Like, <laughs> oh, See wow. you at the party, Richter. <laughs> All the, right. uh, one more thing. Just okay. with, like, I think, though, third time lucky, illegitimate Bruce Lee kid, right? It's Iron Fist. He's going to come wow. back, swoop in. They're not going to know who he is. There'll be like that whole first episode of Iron Fist where like somewhere along the line, he's going to take over the Lee estate, oh, do no. everything that needs to be done with it, be really bad at martial arts, but at least he might be able to bring Bruce's legacy back from the brink. Well, I tell you. And he's going to train here. The, the Lee estate could hire anyone that's decent at marketing to do a better job with Bruce Lee's legacy than what they're currently doing right now. <laughs> Bruce Lee flip-flops and, you know... Bruce, Bruce T and all that bullshit, right? Love like Bruce T. Everything, everything that the Lee estate does in terms of promoting Bruce Lee is just yeah. so god awful. You don't need anyone who knows martial arts. You just need people to people who appreciate Bruce Lee. Um, they, there's just so much they could be doing. That's so much. But man, I, I wish I could be in charge of the Lee estate. That would be something the, of, of their the, the products and stuff that they so just give me one year. One year. One year. Uh, wow. Can, I'll give you that, but you have to do some one product for me, and it's like Indian clarifying butter. Bruce Gee. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we got Matt Jorgensen. Surrounded by the worst people. That's <laughs> right. What you got? Matt Jorgensen. I heard that, yes. The question. question for the KFG. Mm. We always talk about hypothetical... Such as Bruce Lee versus Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee versus Michael Jai White, etc. Unlike many WCJKD nerds, Bruce isn't my absolute goat. For me, Gordon Liu uh -huh. has to be in that conversation. That said, in your opinion, Bruce Lee versus Gordon Liu, who wins that? And why, from your perspective, Sifu Alex Richter? Man, shove a knife right in my heart. <laughs> Those are like the two movie guys I love the yeah. most. Twist it just a little bit. I know. Mm -hmm. I love Bruce Lee. I love Gordon Liu. Because both of them are responsible for me, basically, getting into martial arts to the degree that I have. Because the first, you know, the, the, the first kung fu movie I saw was Enter the Dragon. But the second kung fu movie I saw was Heroes of the East with okay. Gordon Liu. You know, so so for Didn't me... he had like a jerry curl in that movie, Gordon Liu? No, but he had hair. Okay. He had hair. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't bald, right? <laughs> okay. In a slightly more modern setting, right, where he has, he has to marry the Japanese girl and she's mm -hmm. into Japanese martial arts. And like the whole movie is nothing but a porn of Chinese versus Japanese martial arts where the story is just this like thinly disguised... Um, construction to mm. get you from one fight to the next fight, right? Oh, yes. But it's so good. And and for Rich. that to be like the first kung fu movie I saw outside of a Bruce Lee one, I think is perfect because it was like a showcase of all the different styles and weapons and things like that. And of course, it's a Lao Kar Leung masterpiece and, and it's one of the few of those films where no one dies. It's such a great movie. So Gordon Liu has like a very special place in my heart. And then after that, you know... What do you think the time frame was? Enter the Dragon, then... Heroes of the East. Was uh, it like Heroes of the East is late 70s, like 78, 79. Okay. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So it's six years after. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Gordon didn't really start acting or doing anything until shortly after Bruce Lee died. And he mm. did small stuff. And then it wasn't until the late 70s that he started to do bigger things. Um, but no, I love them both. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I don't want to say, I mean, obviously in terms of real martial arts, okay, in terms of the ability to fight, I mean, you would, you would have to give it to Bruce Lee. I mean, his path was very different. Um, but in terms of like, Movement on screen? Well, I mean, it's it's two different styles. Bruce was about the power and the dynamicism, right? Mm -hmm. But Gordon was about like the style, you know, and like the he, he you know like the way he moved, and it was very kind of traditional and stylistic, and it was a lot more Chinese. Mm -hmm. So where Bruce didn't really move like a kung fu guy, he moved like Bruce Lee. Okay, but Gordon is a kung fu guy, you know. So uh, it would have been great to see the two of them do a movie together. Would would have been great to actually see Bruce Lee in a proper kung fu movie, because although Bruce is known as the king of kung fu, and for many people he's what brought them to kung fu movies. Okay. But if you actually look at his films, they weren't very kung fu-y. You you know when you look at the style of fighting that he used, which was like big John Wayne punches, big kicks, mm -hmm. it was all these big power shots. It wasn't about an intricate exchange back and forth. Like he would do some, you know, he would do a couple of little Wing Chun shots here and there. But for the most part, it was just like evade something, bomb, power shot, boom, boom. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he would have a couple phrases of that, but he wouldn't rely on that too heavily. Right. Um, it would have been really cool to actually see to, to see Bruce do an actual kung fu movie with someone like let's say you had Lao Kai Leung's choreography yeah. and it was Bruce versus Gordon Liu or something like that or uh, or you had uh, Sammo Hung's choreography or something like that. It would have been amazing to see that, right? Um, I'm also curious if Bruce Lee would have even wanted to do that because it was so antithetical to what he wanted. But even just if he just did it for the sake of the movie, hmm. um, that would just be really cool to see him in that style so this question I, I refuse to answer it it's too painful oh you know, right? no um as 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 some people know you know gordon hasn't been doing too well in recent years right. uh in the early 2010s he had a he had a stroke and he's basically been more or less bedridden for years he's not in a proper hospital right now he's basically in the equivalent of an old folks home now, of course, my information is a few years old because this is based on when I was in Hong Kong last in 2019. Right. So his situation may have worsened. It may have gotten better. I don't know exactly what the story is. Um, but I do know that he's not in a proper uh, hospital that can really take care of someone who has those needs. He's essentially in an old folks home. All right. And unfortunately, he had been taken advantage of by his former wife and... Uh, uh, I, I don't know exactly how good his situation is, um, but I do know that he, he more or less stopped seeing uh, visitors a couple years ago. Now, he may have changed that in the meantime. I don't know. Again, all the information, I haven't been to Hong Kong now in three years, so my information could be a little old. But I was, um, last time I, I was in Hong Kong, I was actually set to go see him. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, uh, then I was told, for various reasons, that he wasn't going to see anyone anymore. Mm. And you have to imagine like, uh, Damn. like, first of all, it would have been hard to see him in that shape, especially like, you know, we grew up with these things as kids. So we look at these guys as robust superheroes, and masculine yeah. and like superheroes. Right. And then to see someone like that, you know, emaciated in a wheelchair, mm. you know, like I, I remember like thinking on the day that I thought I was going to go see him, I remember thinking like, this is going to be tough. 
because, you know, since I was a kid, this was yeah. like, this was the guy next to Bruce Lee. This was the guy on that pedestal, right? And I just thought he was great. And I loved his movements. I thought he was good looking. You know, he looked like Yul Brynner, the okay. Chinese, you know? Right. And I, I was like, wow, I, I have to really try not to like burst out into tears when yeah. I see him, you know? And, uh, and also want to tell him like how great he is and, and what how. What he meant to you, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, what he meant to me and the fact that, you know, I teach martial arts and I'm. F- I love this stuff, and a big part of that has to do with him. You know, after I saw those movies, I got Rick Meyer's book, which talked all about him, and I read everything about him. So I knew about him as a kid, because we didn't have the internet, but I had books about him, mm. and I read about him, and I knew who he was, and I knew his relationship to Lao Kaolang and everything. And then, like, on that day when I was told, like, no, he's not going to see anyone anymore, then it was like, well, that's, that's it for him. I mean, you know, of, of course, a big part of like, I was upset for purely selfish reasons. You know what I mean? Like, okay. like that was me being upset because I wouldn't see him. It wasn't about him or his situation. Like, I have to think about what's his situation that he can't see anyone anymore. Wow. I was just, like, very selfishly thinking about, like, oh, I uh, won't get to see him. Took it personal, I like, won't get to. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like I took it personal, but it was, like, all the, the sorrow on my end was about, was about me and not being able to say what I wanted to say to mm-hmm. him. And it wasn't really about him. Right even though I care very deeply about him, but it likes, you know, some, our ego works in weird ways because when you sometimes analyze oh, why you're upset about something, yeah. you realize it's me. It's, it's not the situation. I'm taking offense to this in this way and that's not actually what's happening. But I remember like, you know, after I kind of calmed myself down, I'm like, well, I mean, look, if he's too sick to see anyone, then this is a very sad thing for him. And what I have to say to him is... A, not important to him right now you know and i remember like taking the mtr you know the hong kong subway back to my uh hotel after hearing that news and i had oh, sunglasses yeah. on and i was just crying i was yeah. i was on the empty i was crying because i was just thinking like you know he's one of the greats he's one of the legends and he may not be around much longer and Damn. and i didn't at that moment care about me not seeing him but i was just i just put my big thick shades on yeah. and i was just sitting on the empty i was and bawling the whole time because because of what you know what he means and stuff and it was like you know and you go through all the same stages like anger because i'm thinking like you know where's quentin tarantino for all of his like you know love of hong kong cinema or whatever that you know he he had you know gordon gordon laut had two roles in kill bill you know like quentin tarantino can't like you know yeah, paid to have this guy put in a better place or something like that you know like it just felt like where were all the people who you know, who are big fans and all the people who, you know, could really help him and all those other kids, they're not there. He's basically suffering by himself. And I find that is an absolute shame, man. An absolute shame. Mm. All right, you got time for one more so we don't end on such a downer? <laughs> uh, let's see. This is... You've already scrolled. I so. got... I got... The drug letter video comment of the day. Ah, uh, here we yeah. go. All right. Nice finish. Yes. Mr. Punch. Mr. Punch. Sorry, Mr. Punch. <laughs> that's, his, that's his name. Oh, okay. That's his handle. <laughs> okay. John Jones has a drug and alcohol issue. Ali used cocaine to help his early Parkinson's sy- symptoms. 
Cocaine didn't become a problem really until it turned to crack rock. Anywho's, all mentioned above are elite athletes as well. Um, so co cocaine has never caused problems for anyone? Nope. It's only caused problems for people when it became crack cocaine. Is this guy white? Yeah. No one has ever no one has ever died of cocaine abuse. Cocaine hasn't ruined countless people's lives. No. Makes a lot of sense. I definitely agree. And that's all I gotta say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius, hit that bell for notifications. And if you have any questions you want me to answer on a future episode, go ahead and write them in the comments below. Don't forget to support us on Patreon, and I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu Genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seekung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. Two, three, clap. All Drake right, here clap. we go. I mean, yeah, Sifu got the clap. So, whatever. All right. Mikey has the clap this time. That is true. Because... <laughs> Okay, they can, clear that up with a, they can clear that up with a shot. You know, I actually had the clap once, and I had one of those shots, and it was the most painful thing in the f world. Practice all day like with my penis. penis. It's the cheeky wink that you give the audience now. You're like, Lots of AI got me looking like, hey, yo. Lots of... Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. It's a bunch of gibberish. Your motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre. Oh! <laughs> Let's see if he can get through this. No chance. No chance. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube. Lots of gems. Lots of Gordon Lee versus Bruce Liu. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Son yes! of a bitch. Did that on purpose. Stop. Collaborate and listen. Get rid of the giggles, McGee. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got, got something to say, say but nothing, nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre. They motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre. Oh,